welcome to Word Online. Hello and welcome to series three and episode four and it's entitled Miracles in Capernaum. Very shortly we're going to look at the text for today and for this episode which is from Luke chapter four. But let me just remind you of the story so far. Jesus having been baptised, gone up to Jerusalem, been in the wilderness, has come back to Galilee to start his public ministry. Um, He's based himself at the fishing uh, village or town of Capernaum um, by the Sea of Galilee, and all sorts of extraordinary miracles have started to happen. He's preaching everywhere, drawing huge crowds, healing the sick, casting out demons, from people and causing a sensation. The crowds are getting bigger and bigger. People are traveling from further and further. And then in the last episode, there was a very significant event took place. For the first time since Jesus had started his public ministry, he returned to his hometown of Nazareth. And in the last episode, I described the fact that he went up to um, the synagogue on the Sabbath day the Saturday worship, uh, a traditional day of worship for the Jewish people, and was invited in the synagogue worship to read uh, a text from the Hebrew scriptures or the Old Testament, and he chose Isaiah 61, the first few verses, which describes a person, the servant of the Lord, we know to be the Messiah and the Son of God, uh, coming, preaching, healing, forgiving sins, casting out Uh, demonic forces and bringing a relief of poverty and need for those who are destitute and in difficulty. Now when he was in the synagogue uh, and he read this the initial response was favorable but then it turned hostile when people began to realize that people uh, from other uh, social groups and racial groups were going to be favoured by this uh, message. They, they struggled to understand how uh, Jesus, who was just an ordinary carpenter and builder based in a family firm in Nazareth, was suddenly uh, the Son of God and the Messiah. It was all a bit too much for them. So he left Nazareth having been uh, in conflict with many of the residents there who uh, rejected his newfound identity. So that's what's just happened. But the focus of Jesus' ministry is not the town of Nazareth, but the town of Capernaum, which is the town we're going to talk about today, where um, the events of this episode take place. This is a fishing village um, on the northwest of the Sea of Galilee. Just a few hundred people would have lived there in the time of Jesus. It's very well preserved um, in terms of archaeology and people visit Um, the archaeological site um, by their tens of thousands as tourists. Um, And so they can imagine some of uh, the life of the time of Jesus. And you can see there uh, the remains of a synagogue. Um, You can see the remains of um, all sorts of different um, domestic homes. And you can see how close this uh, village is to uh, the, the lake. And you can understand how fishing was the number one trade of people living in Capernaum. Anyway, it appears that Jesus decided to make this village the headquarters of his uh, three 
years ministry, public ministry. This is the place he came back to time and time again. He didn't go back to his hometown in Nazareth. He came here to Capernaum. And some of his disciples uh, lived there. One of them was Simon Peter, whose mother-in-law um, appears as a character in the story that we're going to discuss today. So remarkable things are happening. And in Nazareth, Jesus uh, explained all the things that were going to happen through his coming kingdom. And then immediately afterwards, as Luke tells the story, some of the things that Jesus predicted happening are actually described as happening. And that's uh, the basis on which we're going to uh, just read the story now and uh, see what we can learn from this amazing series of events. So if you'd like to turn to Luke chapter 4 and verse 31, we're going to read from Luke 4, 31 to 41. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching, because his words had authority. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring them. All the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are. With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Messiah. So this is a very dynamic story, isn't it? We move from Nazareth, where there'd been controversy and unbelief, to Capernaum, and we're on a Sabbath day, which is quite possibly the Sabbath after the Sabbath he was in Nazareth. So maybe one week later. What a contrast. Here in the town of Capernaum, Jesus receives a very open welcome. People are intrigued. People are keen to listen. 
People have a measure of faith and expectancy. They're coming and asking him for help and they are responding to his teaching. And in the first incident, he's in the, the synagogue and he's teaching and they notice that his words had authority. This is an interesting point. Authority is emphasized in this passage. When he casts out the demon, uh, they say that he has authority and power. So this is quite an interesting uh, thing to reflect on for a moment. Jesus's words had authority in the sense that they had the ring of truth about them. They made sense. He could answer questions clearly and decisively. He spoke on the basis of things that he lived. So there was a coherence and an integrity about Jesus. But also what they noticed was that when he spoke, the words had power. So when he confronted the demon that was um, operating within a person and troubling somebody, he was able to speak words that caused a response. Be quiet, come out of him were the words he spoke and this evil force very quickly left the man. So Jesus had power and authority. This was a uh, an observation made by people throughout Jesus's ministry. And later on, they compared Jesus to the uh, standard teachers of the day, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. We'll talk more about them uh, in later episodes. People who knew a lot, studied a lot, um, gave a lot of rules and regulations, but didn't have an inner sense of authority about them. And they didn't even live to, uh, the way they, they taught, they didn't even follow their own teachings. Now, you may be able to relate to this. It's a problem in the modern world, too. With many religious teachers, we find hypocrisy, double standards lying behind their teaching. But Jesus's authority was such that he followed, believed and carried out everything that he taught. We'll hear more about that in subsequent episodes. But he had that authority and that authority was shown in this passage to extend to healing the sick and casting out demons. Now, demonic forces are introduced into the narrative here without much explanation. And the reason there isn't much explanation is that the Jews had a clear understanding of this beforehand, uh, which uh, the writers weren't questioning. And that understanding was that in the spiritual world, there are forces of good and forces of darkness. The forces of good are God himself and um, his Holy Spirit um, living in people and operating through them, and also angels and uh, literal personal angels. We've encountered them already on a number of occasions, particularly in the birth narratives. And on the other hand are evil forces, uh, demonic forces, satanic forces. We've already encountered uh, the leading spiritual opponent of Jesus, Satan or the devil, in the story of the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness. And here we find a small demonic uh, power or spirit operating within an individual. So the Bible 
um, presupposes that individual people can be infiltrated to some measure or another by evil forces. And uh, that's not an assumption held by uh, many people in the Western world today, but in other societies, people believe something similar and are aware of supernatural evil. Now, it's important to say that the power of good and the power of evil, God's power and satanic power are not seen as equal in the Bible. Far from it. God's power is greatly superior. And this is demonstrated in the life of Jesus. Whenever there's a confrontation, uh, Jesus wins that confrontation and that power retreats and people are set free. This is what happens in this particular case by this man who is set free from an impure spirit. We'll have occasion to discuss this issue further uh, several times during our studies because Jesus casting out demons uh, and demonic forces was a regular occurrence. Now the healing of Peter's mother-in-law is a wonderful little touch of narrative here, a very personal story about a family member of the leading uh, disciple, Simon Peter, uh, and obviously he would recount and remember this story very well um, because in, in his own family home where Jesus may even have been staying, we don't know for certain, but that's a possibility, um, we find uh, this miracle taking place. So Jesus uh, rebuked the fever and the fever left. This is an organic illness that is healed by the word of Jesus. So Jesus is setting a pattern for healing that is going to take place numerous times throughout the Gospels. But what's actually happening in this narrative and in the events preceding it is that Jesus's reputation is growing and growing and growing. And uh, people are beginning to travel from more and more distance away, further and further away, in order to meet Jesus and to experience his uh, power. Uh, this process will continue for a long time. Jesus was becoming very popular. But in the final section of our passage, there's a very interesting description. I'm just going to read it again. Verse 40, at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you're the son of God. And he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. Now, the significance of sunset here is important. You see, the events we've seen described took place on the Sabbath day. Now, the Jewish community had strong rules about the Sabbath day. It was a day of rest and it really was a day when work was not allowed and people were not working in their farms on their land, they were not traveling apart from a certain uh, necessary journeys. They were based at home, they were worshiping in the synagogue, uh, they were living quietly um, at home during the Sabbath. There were lots of rules from the law of Moses and lots of other uh, uh, traditions had grown up. And so people uh, didn't venture out on any special events during the Sabbath day. The two miracles 
that have occurred. One happens in the synagogue where they'd gone to worship and one happens in a home where Jesus was experiencing hospitality. But at sunset was the point when the day ended because the Jewish days ended at sunset uh, rather than midnight or the following morning. So at sunset, the regulations controlling people moving around freely uh, were lifted. And so as the sun set in Capernaum that day, people in and around the town began to think, this is our moment to receive God's help. Because on that very day, there had been two miracles, one in the synagogue, one in the home of Simon Peter's family, where his mother-in-law was sick, and very quickly word got out about these things. And particularly the synagogue event was a public event. People would have come to the synagogue service. They would have see, seen a man um, being released from an impure spirit. They'd have gone home and they'd have told their families at lunchtime and in the afternoon. So something spontaneous happens in and around Capernaum. And we don't know how far people were traveling, but I think they were coming from a further distance as well. But I can see a significant local effect here. Two things happened on the day and people came in the evening thinking, we need help and we know where to go. Now that's the effect that Jesus has on people. Even today, Jesus, as he's preached through the church, has that effect. People suddenly realize, I know where to go because I know there's authority and power in the name of Jesus. We'll come to that point again in just a moment. So the crowds gathered and it wasn't just one healing, it was many healings and many um, occurrences of demons being cast out. And so the Nazareth Manifesto that Jesus had spoken about probably the previous week, which said, I came to bring recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. In other words, healing miracles and breaking the oppression of satanic power. He said, you know, today these things are being fulfilled. In other words, they're going to start to happen. Well, here we are in Capernaum and they are happening. A single miracle, healing miracle and deliverance miracle um, described uh, earlier in the day and then after sunset, multiple uh, miracles of both types occurring uh, for the citizens of Capernaum and the surrounding area. It's a wonderful, wonderful story. What reflections could we draw from this story that help us to uh, use it well? as Christian disciples and learn from it if we're inquiring about the faith. First of all, the miraculous healing and deliverance power of Jesus is now established. We will see these two themes uh, continuing all the way through the Gospels. Jesus will be healing the sick and casting out demons on many, many occasions. They are hallmarks of his ministry. They're signs that the kingdom of God has come. They're signs that the Nazareth Manifesto is being li lived out. But interestingly enough, 
the church is called to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. So we should not just think these events happened 2,000 years ago. These events are specific only to the life and ministry of Jesus. As we continue with our studies and we get further along in the Gospels, we'll see that Jesus began to equip his disciples and particularly his 12 apostles, uh, the senior called disciples who, who, who took the name Apostle. Um, he equipped them with power, instruction and experience and said, you need to go and lay hands on the sick. You need to go and cast out demons. And when we see uh, the narrative unfolding in the book of Acts, we find extraordinary miracles taking place through the apostles and through some of the other Christian leaders and members of churches. And so that miraculous power that we're beginning to see manifested here isn't only confined to the lifetime of Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit, it is the calling of the church today to pray for outstanding miracles, particularly in its evangelistic mission and with unbelievers. It's noticeable here, to take another point of significance, that demonic opposition to Jesus becomes manifest or clear or comes into the public domain. As soon as Jesus started his public ministry, it provoked a response from evil powers. The first obvious response is Satan's temptation of Jesus in the wilderness immediately after his baptism for 40 days during which he was fasting. We described that in an earlier episode. But here we see that as Jesus is teaching, uh, an impure spirit operating within a man who's listening calls out, go away, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. There's a disruptive element there. There's a confrontation element. There's a, uh, a sense of two different spiritual forces meeting, Jesus and the forces of darkness. And it's interesting that the uh, demonic forces identified here operating within individual people know who Jesus is. You can see that in three ways. The man in the synagogue calls out with the, the demonic power speaking through him, describing Jesus as the Holy One of God. And subsequently in Luke 4 and 41, we find uh, evil spirits describing Jesus as the Son of God and um, Luke says they knew he was the Messiah. So it's quite clear that powers of darkness know the identity of Jesus and they fear the identity of Jesus because Jesus has the power to set people free from all darkness and he has the power to set us free from sin through his death on the cross. And we are involved in an ongoing spiritual battle. Paul says in Ephesians 6 verse 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So the church enters into a spiritual battle following the footsteps of Jesus. We're seeing the early stages of that battle described in this narrative and in the surrounding 
texts. But let's take courage, because what we see here is the kingdom of God advancing. When the kingdom of God advances, there is a need for miracles, healing miracles to demonstrate the power of God. There's also a provoking of um, satanic forces because their control over people is being challenged. But our faith is in Jesus whose kingdom is advancing. He said in Mark 1 verses 14 and 15, uh, which took place just prior to this episode, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. So there's a, a pushing forward and a call to repent and believe that is taking place um, at this time in Jesus's ministry. And this series of events that we've looked at today uh, describe uh, some of that process and will help us uh, see how Jesus's kingdom is going to develop. As subsequent episodes take place, we'll see Jesus uh, firming up his calling of disciples, uh, firming up his teaching on how we should live uh, if we're his disciples. We see many more examples of miracles as Jesus begins to travel around. At this point, the focus is primarily on Capernaum, his headquarters, place of operation, and the area immediately around it. But shortly we'll see that he extends his sphere of operation and mission well beyond Capernaum. Thanks for listening to this episode and I hope you'll join us for future ones as well. You have been listening to Martin Charlesworth for Word Online. To find out more, visit wordonline.org.